0: Just everyone out there, welcome to everyone listening to uh, this week's podcast. As we approach the nearing to the end of uh, this second lockdown, just hoping that you're all keeping well, staying safe, looking out for each other, especially during these, uh, you know, this troubled time. So yeah, that's my sort of, um, you know, sort of message for the week. So yeah, just praying that you're all keeping well. On this week's podcast, we've got Raul, and um, Raoul is 68 years of age, and he went through um, Stage One prostrate cancer. Raul's in, involved in a, or has been involved in a number of cancer charity groups, but the main one being cancer with Black Care. So welcome, Raul.: Yeah, greetings. <laughs> yeah, welcome, welcome, welcome. So, Ro, yeah, just giving you a brief introduction there. So, please, you know, tell us your story.
1: Yeah, okay. All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Roll Price. I live in the southeast of London. And around about 2003, I uh, am relatively sick. I you know, went to the gym three times a week. Eat relatively well, not a great amount of junk food, yes. There was Kentucky and Mac Dutty. (laughs) (laughs) We all that. (laughs) Yeah, we we all did, you know, once you're working and on the road, it was more more or less the quickest thing to go and eat, but, you know, but not a great deal of it, you know. And then one day I just had, um, my body just felt run down, I mean just run down you mean, like, like I said to many people I could have gone to the chemist and bought myself a tonic you know to give me a boost but I decided to go to the doctor and he you know after a series of questions he said well I'll send you off to the hospital for them to check you so off I went in fact, he gave me a, a urine test first, which you weren't happy with. So he decided that that's initially why I went to the hospital. So they gave me another urine test, followed by a blood test. I had to wait for a week or so before the results came back. Then they called me in to discuss the readings, which they didn't like. So off I went to have a biopsy. Well, they didn't tell me what the biopsy was going to be entail, what's going to happen, but I just went off. And there you were, you um, you're put on a couch with your... In fact, it was CRE um, first, before the biopsy, which is a digital rectal examination. Mm. It thongs, high um, pollutant, but basically what it is, the doctor puts the glove finger on, with some lubricants and you're on a couch and he puts his finger up your behind to feel for the prostrate. Well, I didn't even know that he was gonna do all this. So, so, you know, it's a bit of a take back when you see what he was gonna do, but when you look at it in later years, you realize, well, it was there for a reason to save your life. So what he, he puts his finger in, to feel for the Mm prostrate. The prostrate, it's supposed to be soft, you know, not too firm, not too hard, and it shouldn't have any lumps on it. And according to him, it was abnormal. I mean, it took took about half a minute, if that. So that was why the uh, biopsy was um, arranged. So you go along to the hospital, you go into, um, you know, theater and a probe is put into your behind, which is called a transrectal ultrasound scope, mm. which is in your behind, which locates the, uh, area and probably the size of the prostate. And, uh, through that, a needle goes in and grabs part of your um, prostrate. If you imagine the prostrate is like a circle, they'll grab a bit from here, mm. they'll grab a bit from there, they'll grab a bit from there. So it's all mapped out where they're taking these pieces and they're sent off to the lab to be analysed. Right. Saying that, the results could come back as no cancer found. That doesn't mean that the cancer isn't there. It's just that the needle hasn't picked it up. It could be somewhere else because it's only a very, very tiny bit of prostate that they've taken out. Mm. You know, they could have missed it by a centimeter or so. Mm. So the results came back and... I had stage 1 prostate cancer. I mean, gosh, in those days, back in 2003, when you heard of somebody having cancer, that was just like a death sentence. And when he told me that and I was in his office, I mean, I went to the hospital and I was in there sitting down, people were going past me and going out. And I kept saying, well, how come everyone's being seen? He said, well, I had to keep you lost because I had some news to tell you. So when he told me, I'll tell you, I hadn't even sat down. I was about to sit down. And when he said the word cancer, I just slumped back in my chair. I was like, my mind was gone. I mean, he was sitting in front of me and I just didn't see him. That's how blank my mind went. Yeah, yeah so you know they said well don't worry we'll look after you we'll uh make sure you get the right treatment give me some information to go home and read i mean i'm living on my own and i've got to go home and deal with this now mm-hmm. you know it was traumatic even to walk out of the hospital was like your legs were gone yeah because I literally saw myself laying in a coffin. That is how bad it was, you know, when you're told this news. But I went home. I didn't tell anybody. I just wrote, you know, how am I going to deal with this? So I went to the library to find out some books. And then one of the first books was The Idiot's Guide to Men's Health. Right. And it tells you about all different types of cancers and how to deal with it, you know, deal with it in a positive way. I read other books on people who went through this journey, you know, call it a journey. And you know, it, it was more or less so relaxing to hear people saying to you, well. Oh, well, see, so you've got cancer, you're going to miss the kids growing up, you're going to miss that. And he just says, no, you just blow all that out of your mind. And from then I had a positive attitude, you know. Mm. But it's cancer, I want to live, I want to live. Yeah. So you start doing all the things that you, um, you know, from then your life changes. From that moment, your life changes. You... You're going along on a plateau, and then suddenly your life goes like that. Mm. So I did go back to the hospital and spoke to the surgeon who put me in touch with other surgeons. And I did go and speak to them about the best treatment. You know, one surgeon will say, well, I'm a surgeon, so I normally cut things out. You know, another one will say, you know, treatment. So I got to find out all the different range of treatments. There were options like the brachytherapy. theory. The brachytherapy is low-dose radiation seeds that are put into the prostate. Mm-hmm. And over time, they kill off the cells and they become less and less radioactive. Right. There is um, the open surgery where they would cut you Belly button from left to right to take out the prostrate. There was the other, the one I had was the laparoscopic, which is basically keyhole surgery, where they put a camera into your belly hole, your belly button, another one the other side, you know, the instruments and the all this on screen. There was also what watch and wait, they will watch you to see if your readings go down, whether they go up. There is, um, the external beam radiotherapy, which is you lay on a couch and an external beam radiation is centered onto that point where the cancer is, kill the cells. There is pyroblasting, which is freezing technique where they put a probe again into your behind and they freeze the uh, prostrate which kills the cells. There's another one called HIFU, high intensity focus ultrasound. With this one is radiation. This is with heat. This kills also kills the cells, but you know you can choose which one you want. So like I say, I, I opted for the keyhole surgery. Okay. Which was um, the rate of recovery was quicker than the cut opens because when you have the cut across his stomach, the internal heals and then you got the outer. But I've spoken to men who have had this surgery, which was... You know, terrible because they were always either having infection, or the wound wasn't healing fast enough, and they kept getting this pain. You know, as the wound were healing, like the acid attacking the making better. You know, and they. Had, I mean, with me, I was in the hospital. And I can say, safely say that it was my birthday at that same juncture. Okay. I had I had operation on my fiftieth birthday. Believe it or not. Wow. I always remember the day, the day, the last day that Concord flew.
2: <laughs> oh my word! Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: So, and, and I was in Oswald for two days, three days maximum. I went in the Friday, I stayed in Saturday. And I came out the Sunday. So that was when my recovery started. You know, you go home, the, you have a catheter put onto your, you know, to help drain. You know, you don't, you, you don't naturally go to the toilet because you can't. It, walk, it drains into a bag. Mm-hmm. So you have to sleep with this bag, which is so uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, I can so imagine. You
1: got to walk with it, strap your leg you know oh dear but you know you have to go through that and it stays, it stays for about probably two weeks but i think i had mine off quicker than that because well, it was i always describe it as you know when you have a a bull and you put a ring for its nose mm. to control the bull. That's how I felt. <laughs> wow. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: When you when you sleep at night and you accidentally move and you pull it. Oh my! Oh,
0: God. that must have hurt. Yeah, must mm. have been painful. Yeah.
1: So after that came out, you now my whole eating routine changed. You know, you 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 um. Cut down on your red meat, you cut down in your drinking if you drink, cut down in your smoking. You see you cut down before you cut out. That is the important thing. You cut down these things. So you go to where you now take up a more healthy eating life. You drink more water, you drink more eat more vegetables, more fruit, exercise even more. Mm-hmm. You know, you cut out, you know, most of the you know, some of the things that are they say are bad for you, not really, you know, you, you can you eat them, you know, they don't do it, but if you eat them in abundance, you know, you know, you excessively drink or you excessively smoke and you're not giving your body time to heal. You know, those are the things that... Over this period, when I was at home, you know, I used to walk around the block You'd walk around the block, mm, right? You couldn't go too far because you had to rush back to the toilet. And yeah, I think one of my biggest tests when I know I've passed that stage and not wetting myself or rushing to the toilet, mm. because when you go out, you had to not drink much liquid, or when you go to bed at night, not drink too much liquid. or When you go out, you had to know where the toilets are because. You know, otherwise, you'll just, but you know, you wore pads for quite a long time. And one of my biggest tests was, I remember we were going to France, because we used to go to France to get our booze and stuff, you know, day trip to France. Yeah. And I always insisted that if the coach hasn't got a toilet on it, I wasn't going to go. <laughs> the coach did have a toilet on it. And believe it, you know, from the time I left home, and I went to France. I did not go to the toilet once, so I know I'd pass my test. <laughs> wow,
0: yeah, you know, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It was, it, was a, it was a blessing. You know, it was amazing. You know? And it's like in your mind, if the toilet wasn't there, you'd want to be going all the time. But because it's there, you know in your mind, you didn't have to go. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah
1: really, really, really. Yeah, that's
0: strange, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how you controlled your mindset. And then Yeah.
1: Uh, now. So how do I get to um, end up with a uh, sense of black care now? It's, during that period, you know, it was a fantastic time. And I think I went to see a counsellor, you yeah. know, she gave me a leaflet or card saying that there's a black organization called Tens of Black peers so I should go there. Mm-hmm. And I did go there mainly just to find out what they do and how can I um, maintain my health and what food I should be eating. And they say, no, you just don't you don't have to, all right, you have to cut down on this and that and that. But and then I joined them. that was two oh three. And I met other people there now. And that is when I started to learn about other cancers. There were head, neck, throat, chest, breast, stomach, testicular. you know, skin, bone. Oh my gosh. Mm, Some manners. Yes. Mm. And the group was all black, West Indian, Afro Caribbean people in there. Mm you know, and we meet, you know, we are turned out as a, as a facilitator in the end, we still meet at this present time. It's only on you know, Zoom at the moment, but at the height of our meetings, we could be having something like 30 people in them and all of them coming with four different cancers. That's how you learn about all these different cancers.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I've got to say, your yeah. knowledge is amazing. Your your knowledge, you know, especially around, obviously you went through prostrate cancer, and your knowledge around each treatment, I've got to say, it's in, incredible. You know, I didn't realise that there was so many different types of treatment for oh, yes. prostrate. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just wanted to quickly ask, you know, um, you um you said you were you were given a choice in terms of what treatment you put yourself through. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that a treatment wasn't recommended by the doctor. Does it depend on what stage your prostate is at in relation to the treatment that you receive?
1: Yeah, because mine was a low dose. I could have had Mm. any treatment. I could have had the Brachyphe, which is a low-dose radiation I better mm. like watching weight because it's the cancer's a slow growing cancer, so it, it wouldn't adverse. But I just had this thing in me that I wanted it out. You know, that was that was the most frightening thing. I wanted it out. Yeah. So that is why I opted. But yeah, they do give you the choice. So mm. then to talk over the options, the pros and cons of it yeah so what, what what grabbed me was i was confident i read the um surgeon's blog where he trained and how he the um recovery was quicker yeah with less lots of blood and thought so, and in fact me and him became such good friends mm-hmm. the surgeon i was on i shared plenty of platforms with him after i Came out that surgery, and I groups wanted. You know, I was in fact. I'll tell you how it started. Was I was with Cancer Black there? A film company came and wanted a participant to do a film on. That is how I got started that way. And yeah. it was it was going to be shown on the history program on the TV. Right. So doing that. Yeah, they, you know, they feel, they've followed you for a whole day and so making all these films, I, like I wasn't into all that because I was more mainly interested in speaking to groups, you know, I took my leaflets with me. If you see my, at the moment, my bag, you go shopping, even my leaflets are still in my bag. And I sat down and I spoke to friends of mine, male friends of mine, and I said to them, you know what I was like. You know I go to the gym. You know I don't eat a lot of junk food and this and that. Go to the doctor and have yourself checked. Mm. And, you know, many of them went and they found they had other things wrong with them. Oh, wow. You know, it, was, it was so incredible.
0: Yeah, honestly, I mean, um, one thing which comes to mind here in your stories um, you did a lot of research by the sounds of it in terms of, yeah. um, you know, that once you heard about your, your cancer, you did a lot of research behind to find out more. How important do you think research is? You know, once somebody's diagnosed with a cancer, how important do you think that is?
1: Well, yeah, there's a hell of a lot of stuff on the internet. Mm. A lot of it, well, you're reading to get information, but then a lot of it is, I sometimes find it was better In some cases, to speak directly to men because Mm. then again, a lot of them, you'd be surprised, you you speak to men and uh, be quiet. And then they say, Well, yeah, I'm going through that now. But no one knows because they never say, they never said a thing. Mm. And, you know, the more you speak, they say, Well, here's so and so had it, and so and so's got it. And it's unbelievable. But then a lot of them also, which was sad. They listen to a lot of rubbish. Mm. We put them off, you know. You talk about, oh, no man's going to put their finger on my backside and turn me gay and all that. Mm. I'll say, well, look, you want to live, don't you? <laughs> look, how, look at the women, how many comments they go through, you know. And it only take the finger only takes half a minute, if that. Mm. And that can determine whether you have a biopsy, whether they think your prostate is abnormal, you know, and yes, you talk to men, some didn't want to know, and some, you know, they come out with all this crap, you know, oh, this and that, but no, you want to live, look, priority is for your own health, mm. your priority is for your family, and your priority is for your community. Or, you know, don't it was hard sometimes to talk to them, yeah, yeah. yeah. What other things would they come out with, Ralph? The comments, yeah, okay. Every all men Mm. are masculine, and they think by having his finger up there, he's he's gonna turn them gay.
2: Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Mm.
1: crazy,
0: incredible.
1: Mm. But you, but if you imagine, imagine this. A man going through this terrible thing. he He's at night getting up four, five, six times a night just to go to the toilet. And when he gets there, he knows he wants to pass water, but he can't. can't. And when he does, it is burning him to the fact that his toes are literally gripping the carpet. Oh, wow. You know, and then it has gone back to bed. And I mean, I've stories been told to me many times that men now had to sleep in the other bedroom because they kept waking up the wife and she mm. couldn't have it. And then that is how the women <laughs> drag the men off to the hospital to get yourself checked. Because, you know, but imagine you're getting up and there's no lie seven, eight times a night. Mm you don't, and as you go, you're trying to pass forward it and you can't. And as soon as you get back to bed, the same thing happens again. Wow. You know, it's incredible.
0: Mm, yeah, I mean, really? hearing that, hearing that side of it, yeah. I mean, that's the, you know, uh, that's interesting because obviously the last few weeks, you know the majority that have appeared on this podcast have gone through prostate cancer and this is the first time i've actually heard somebody describe the impact Mm. it has Mm -hmm. actually in the home Mm. actually going through it you know just to picture that image of obviously you're getting in and out of bed
2: Mm.
0: you're going to the toilet you're trying to pass water but you can't the burning sensation you know, the, and the impact it has on your partner, mm. on oh my view. That, that is very, very interesting. Mm. Very interesting to hear.
1: Yeah, I and mean, you see, and uh, not only that, there's been pain with it as well, the, the burning mm. sensation. I mean, yes, I had some stories that, God, it makes me wonder, you know, all oh, right, you'll go down to the barbershop and listen to some rubbish. I'll oh, just drink some of this, that'll get rid of it. Drink some of it. But and they carry on smoking, they carry on drinking. And it's only in black men when it comes to stage three or four Mm -hmm. when they should have had it checked from stage one when they were first noticing the signs and symptoms. Yeah. The signs and symptoms. Going to the toilet, can't pass water, trying to you're dribbling and you're running back again. You know your blood is full. And you still can't be. But then again, that doesn't always mean that there is prostrate cancer. It could be BPH, which is benign prosthetic hyperplasia. is wow. If you imagine my finger as the prostrate and my finger... The urethra, which passes the water from your kidneys out to your penis. So this is your prostrate, which is swollen, and it's squeezing the urethra, which stops the flow of water going out. It could be that. So what the surgeon will give you is, uh, or the doctor will give you some drugs to reduce the swelling, which relaxes the urethra, or what they can do is cut away a section of the inside of the prostate which relieves the urethra.
0: Mm, mm.
1: That's one that's another
0: way. Wow, I'll tell you, you're you're not honestly your <laughs> knowledge is your knowledge is incredible. It really is.
1: Oh, yeah, I did I did a lot of training with the prostrate cancer charity in uh, London and I've got well if I I literally used to draw my own you know it's up there somewhere. I've got a which I drew the prostrate and I speak to men in a confined space, not these fancy flip up and show it's like no, I want you to see it as it is to make you know a dramatic effect on you. And then from there let's see, oh man. I mean, we triggered my mind today, so I think, wow, all this stuff I used to do, and I forgot. I did a, a, a big spread in The Voice in 2006, and the headlines was, what are these four men got in common? One was Colin Powell, one was James Brown, and what, the other one was uh, Farrakhan. The other one was, um, what's his name? went from you Know the head of the church, and it, you know, he says, and I was featured in there. You know, what these four men got in common in this picture of me, and I thought, wow, look at this! <laughs> wow,
0: yeah, yeah, amazing voice newspaper, yeah, mm.
1: yeah, yeah. I did the Sun newspaper also in 2006, big spread, you know, boy. You know, who used to read, a, you know, black people who read The Sun in those days? <laughs> but they are sweet, so I don't
0: know. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you, you try to get the message out there any way you can. but It was important yeah.
1: to me, the message. not, you know, starting off and reading some newspaper or whatever, my picture taken. I just think that it was out there to get the message out. People had to know, and there were a lot of people... Sitting in silence, you know, one of our aims or mission statements, Cancer Black Care, you know, we as a group are there for you. You should not be sitting at home with a disease which can be cured and you're sitting at home not coming out. Because back in the day, you're just a number when you go to the hospital. They did not care for your cultural and spiritual needs. You would just take this treatment. Because cancer black care was started in 1996 by a Ghanaian brother named Isaac D. Wouden. D-W-E-B-E-N. Whose own brother died of prostate cancer. And in those days, 1996, he had no information about prostate cancer and its effect on black men. Wow, incredible. Mm. So he started the group Cancer Black Care. The first um, office would open up in um, Dalston, Hackney, I believe and, no, 1995. Mm. Then they had the Brent office, which is Crickwood um, Lane in Dalston. Then the, two well, hundred two, the Lambeth branch was opened up just down the road from King's College Hospital. Mm-hmm. And I believe they had um, two satellite offices, one was in Manchester, one was in Birmingham. And over the years, the local health authority or PCTs would give money to these groups, you know, these branches. But then, after a while, they decided oh, we go and give the money to somebody else. Eventually, his office closed, and the, the only one left was in uh, Brenton, which was our main office. And they closed our Lambeth branch. And you know, I was going past there because this office was open six days a week, and the amount of people used to come in there just for help for application forms, get grants, fill out your now they now call it works and pension, and you know, all these things and I, I said to um, the other worker, Gene, I said, look, we got to do something about this. These people are still going to the office and the office is shut because someone's sitting on the step. So we decided we're to continue so we found um, a place further down the road called it was a sub pensioners' office in Campbell. so that is where we met from i'd say we've been there for about nearly 18 years and the amount of people that come in and out they come You can see on their faces the despair and the worry that they've been newly diagnosed with cancer, and they need somebody to talk to. And they come in. You know, we speak to them. You can introduce yourself if you want, or you can sit and listen. And we pair you up with somebody who has got a disease similar to yours, and they get the answers we go they, we advise people not to go to hospital on their always have somebody, somebody with, with you them because yeah. what, they, what they tell you you won't all take in mm. so somebody there with you take notes even yeah. go to the hospital with them some who need help to uh, even go shopping we had someone go with them and this is all what we did in and, and cancer black here as an organization, hmm. so we had. I mean, uh, I believe the, the membership for our branch in itself because we were a younger, branch, um, a younger set of people compared to the ones in Brent. The Brent people, much older. I'm not exaggerating, we're about in excess of 60 people, 60 to 70 people. Not all of them came to the meetings on the first Saturday, but on a good day, we could have at least 30 people. Wow. We didn't always talk about cancer. we talk about nutrition and diet, mm. a healthy way, how to do food, you know, preparation of food and fitness. And um, and you like I say, you see the people coming there with despair on their face, and I guarantee that when they leave, you can see that lifted because they've spoken to somebody who has got a disease or illness similar to theirs, and they were happy just to get that off the chest and spoke to somebody. Yeah. You know, we we had people who been through the cancer journey and you know, they, we, they talk about which hospital gave them the best treatment. What treatment do you want? You know, no, go back to your doctor and say you don't want to be on that one. This is bad. Things like that, you know, it's incredible.
0: It, uh, it certainly is, a, you know, um, it just shows how important these groups actually are. Yeah, you sure. know, with all the, the, these different little services and um, support mechanisms that you provide for people, as you say, when they hear that word that they've got cancer and they're in despair, they don't know who to turn to and just to have this type of mechanism it is so important. Yeah. Obviously there were so many centres that were set up originally. How many today, this moment, how many of those centres are left?
1: The head office at Brent was the only one that was left and being the situation that we're going through at the moment, Where people are not allowed to come and congregate to office, they had to close because they also, I believe, lost their funding as well. Because, you know, these councils, they're prioritizing who to give money to now. So if you ain't got no money coming and you're not self funding and self sufficient, well, you're gone. So I believe, I know the office in Brent is shut.
0: Is that permanent? Yeah, yeah, it's gone now. Wow. So there's no centres left? Now,
1: even us in South London, like say we used to meet at the Suffolk Pensioners Group in Camberwell. I believe that is shut also because it's a management issue of how many people you can have in there. And the social distance, I mean, the rumours aren't that big, but social distance will make it impossible. So it looks like the way things are going to go now, everything's going to be
0: Zoom, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And, and that is the way that you're communicating with members at the moment?
1: Yeah, yeah. We've got a mobile phone, which is sponsored. So we get a certain amount of money. So, you know, it's paid for per month where well, we can call everybody. We keep in touch with them, make sure that mm. they're okay, especially this time. I mean... And it's a difficult time now as well because hospitals are shut, yeah. people can't get appointments, you know. Yeah, you know, and there were really some of them were really ill and they need to go to hospital. And it hurts to know that they were in a bad place originally and now it's cut. I mean, you try getting a, a um, speaking to your doctor means to roll up to the doctor now. No, they
0: did. We'll talk to you by phone. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, that's, um, yeah. yeah, as you say, it's really bad times. Mm. I mean, just want to kind of delve into this just a little bit more because, as you say, you know, um, obviously centers are closed, mm. you hold Zoom meetings. If somebody, like going through being diagnosed and what have you, I'm a black man diagnosed mm. with prostate or whatever cancer, and I'm looking for support, and your support group comes up. Mm-hmm. What would happen there, you know? How often do you hold Zoom meetings? When are they held? How can they communicate with you?
1: Well, give me a call and I could um, get you onto the list for the next Zoom meeting. Mm. That's one way of doing it.
0: And how often are they held?
1: It's the first Saturday of every month. First Saturday of every month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So if you give me a number or you take my number, and we'll put you on the list so you could come in and listen. You know, at the moment, there's not a lot of people who can get on Zoom because they're not computer savvy as as another. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You know? Yeah, of So Yeah, another issue, obstacle, yeah. You
1: see, I, you see, way back as well, we had our leaflets in the nearby hospital. We used to go leafleting. You know, we had to ask permission if we could leave our leaflets in the hospital, waiting room areas and stuff. And so people have seen those. Otherwise, someone went on the website and they went to the head office, which was in Brent, and, you know, they say, well, you live in certain area. Well, call its number. This is South London Branch. And it's incredible. We used to get so many calls from women, you know, that some prefer to speak to a man and I, you know, I'd talk to them, tell them what the group was all about. You want mm. to expect? come around and it did, you know, you know, you're welcome. It's a, it's a space. It's not, it's not frightening space A welcoming space. We sit in a circle and we engage with one another. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of them also have donated money. They went out to do fundraising. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a I hate to use the word picnic, but we call it Eat in the Park around about mm-hmm. August. So we either go Burgess Park, Crystal Palace Park where everybody brings their food and we bring music and we kind up. they also go to the seaside as well as a group from brent and our group your coach goes up two coaches go down to the seaside where you know i mean i as a person used to go to brent all the time to engage with the other group and uh so i get to know a few of them but a lot of them they didn't come south so that was the only time they met was we go to the seaside (laughs) You know, but it's a shame now that,
0: yeah, of course we just it have is. To
1: wait for the other side of this situation we're in to pan out because I, you know, it's vital it, to me, it's vital that we do meet as a people. You know, all right, it's happy to hear one another at the other end of the telephone, but when you see one another, Mm. it lifts you more it lifts you know.
0: of course it does it's vitally important I mean it and it just shows the impact of this period yeah. we're going through right now I mean you know the impact that it's having on yeah. charities it's immense and just to hear the impact it has on you know the Cancer Black Care charity it's it's so sad yeah. and it leads me you know what I mean as we come towards the end the role it leads me to ask you Hearing how important these support mechanisms are, how important to you, on first impressions, is Black Men Rising. How important is this charity to you? You know, what I mean, what we're trying to do here.
1: Yeah, you see, I read today. Is it the The lady. She yeah, yeah,
0: Leanne, right, yeah,
1: Yeah, she also came to our group. Wow. She came to our group, and I saw her name today, and I thought, oh my gosh. Charlotte as
0: well, didn't you she? Know. Charlotte.
1: Yeah, Charlotte's been to before, yeah. So I I didn't know about this group, and I'm really glad because this is another way of getting the message out there. You know, if you're advertising and people see it, they are also probably suffering and need somebody Mm. to engage with and talk to, because (laughs) I said to my friend the other day, I said, we're at home getting old. (laughs) Yeah, we're old, you know, we need oh. to get out and, and engage with people. So, if I would be spreading the word, I'll be saying, Yes, I've been onto the website. You need to, at the moment, watch these programs to engage. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise, you'll be sitting, in, you're not going to get it off the TV.
0: Well, I mean, you're not get yeah, it off the TV again. It's, um, and I say it every week from each podcast. I learned so much and um, what stands out in this podcast is your knowledge, your research, you know, mm-hmm. the importance of when you receive a diagnosis of a cancer to do a little bit of research, to find out a little bit more so that you actually know what you're dealing with. Also the mindset, you know, again, what comes across to me from yourself is that you turn a negative at a time. You receive so much negative feedback. Obviously, again, back in the day, you know, when you received a cancer diagnosis, it was almost like a death sentence. But from what you were told, you turned that into a positive. You wanted to live.
2: Yeah.
0: You wanted to live and you did everything you could. Again, you researched and everything else. And that helped you to focus. There is no way that you're going to let this cancer take you. Again, it shows as well, these groups, how important it is for support to talk about your cancer and what you're going through with others and the information that received just by talking with people is so important. And that resonates with me from you in this podcast. Um, I mean, the last thing I want to ask you is what's the last message that you would give to somebody who they have certain symptoms and they're worried What's the main message that you would tell that person?
1: Well, the main message, is if you have, say, any symptom, it could only be tiny. Mm. But it will grow bigger if you don't look into it. Another thing is also, when you go to the doctor or dentist or anywhere, and they say to you, oh, your tests come back fine, that's all right. Don't take that. You want it in writing. Mm. You want it in writing because you want to compare what they're saying with probably the other time they're going to tell you. So they might say, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah, just keep you on pills and get you on drugs. But is it okay? No, I want it in writing. I want to see it. Wow. So anything little that you got wrong with you, I mean, in this time, it's difficult to get hospital appointment, but anything little,
0: mm.
1: look after it because sooner or later, we will get like that. Okay, yeah. it in the bud.
0: Mm. Wow, yeah. Ra- Raul, that's that's brilliant. That's a that's a fantastic um, message to, to finish with. Where can people find you, Raul? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I can give you. You on Instagram, Facebook, anything uh, like that? No, you no, know, no, yeah, no, just, nothing I'm, like that. I've just <laughs> oh, no, I didn't think <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: just
1: a cancer black care.
0: Yeah, so I mean people Google cancer black care, it will take them to a website.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I don't know since the office closed if the website is still gonna be up and viable. Mm, mm. So what, what I'll do is I can I will speak to Charlotte yeah. and I'll give mm. her a number where she can get me, other than my personal number. Yeah, sure. My personal yeah. And then also, I will give her the number of Jean, who sets up the Zoom for the first of the month, so people can be on the list to get into that. No, that's
0: fine, because what I'm thinking as well is that, you know, I mean, we are Black Men rising, and yeah, yeah. obviously we're, we're on Instagram and, yeah. and what have you, so if anyone you know, wants to access that service, then they can come via us as well, via Black Memorizers. That's brilliant. Raoul, Mm. I want to thank you so, so much. I have learned so much, and I'm sure others listening to this podcast would learn a hell of a lot, because your knowledge is incredible. I can
1: safely say to you that what I've spoken to you about is probably only a quarter of what (laughs) the (laughs) things I've been involved with. I mean, I can say there was a a film we did when I was with another group through the cancer journey for communicating significant news, which is how the doctors, the nurses, tell people their diagnosis when they're in a ward, especially, you know, nothing Mm. is private. You know, they'll come along. First, the good news. Well, what do you want to hear first? The good news or the bad news? Wow. Now, that was, that was one. Also, I was asked to go to the European Cancer Conference to address them in Barcelona. Let me tell you, I've only ever spoken to probably, up to that point, 10, 20 men in a room.
0: But mm. believe me,
1: this room was one of the smallest rooms and held 5,000
0: people oh my gosh <laughs> oh wow I'll tell you what I mean if we can if Batman men rising and your podcast can reach out to that amount of people oh, we would have done something amazing here and we are doing something amazing yeah. and um, you yourself have contributed to that so I want to thank you so much and um, continue with your work with cancer black care and um, you know we will i'm sure black men rise will tap into your knowledge and we will benefit from that so thank you so much raul yeah good luck
1: yeah thanks for having me and uh, i hope yeah you know i always say that i never jazz up anything i always make sure that what i say to you is the truth you know yeah you know, you need the truth. Yeah. Or right, you need a joke every now and then to, but no, it's best to speak to the fact.
2: Yeah. But then you
1: know you're giving the person the truth, right? not what they would probably like to hear. No.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, brilliant, Raoul. Thank you're you right, so thank much.
1: Thank you, thank you. You, thanks you, thanks
0: you for take care. Me. No, it's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. God bless.
2: Thank you. Take care. Okay, all the best. Yeah, you too.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: Bye.